We're continuing in our series, Crown and Cross, on the Gospel of, of Mark. So here, we are giving out some prizes. If you have done on the uh, journal that we're doing, the daily reading, takes about 15 minutes a day. If you've done it uh, and written at least one word on the other side of the page, maybe you didn't answer the whole thing, just one word on the other side, but you are, f- let's see, 12 for, 12 for 12, all right, 6 and 6, right? Okay, so if you're 12 for 12, raise your hand. Okay, there's some, let's see, uh, I would fire that over there, but this is uh, from Andrew Aaron Zeller from Jesus Culture. We did one of his songs this morning, so he was here. So who, uh, let's see, help me out because I got, a, I got a, like a bad wing here. Uh, yeah, Joan right there. Who else? Joe, all right. Do you already have one of these? This is fantastic. Anybody else? Oh, there. Oh, Ann Crawford. Very good. What a great example as a leader in the community here. Fantastic. Okay, well, you guys are ready? We'll pass these out. It's just a delightful time, and I want to just encourage you that you can find these things online as well. If you are just coming new to New Song and want to jump in, you can go online. You can get the daily readings and the question and answer them. And I encourage you to come Wednesday. I, I, honestly, it's one time, and we... Uh, last Wednesday was one of the best Wednesday nights I've had uh, in a long time, and we just talked about Jesus. We just talked about the gospel of, of Mark and, and what it meant. So we're going to continue in that series. This morning, we're going to be reading, I think it's day 12 out of uh, the journals. It'll, if you've got a Bible or your device, you want to fire it up, it's going to be out of Mark chapter 6. Verses 45 through 56, and I'm going to need some water this morning. I can tell already. Too much jumping around at worship. Oh, yeah. Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through 56. And and the the scene is this, that Jesus and the disciples... Uh, and actually probably more Jesus than disciples, have miraculously fed 5,000 men and, and their families. They finish this. There's crowds around. Jesus tells the disciples to go into a boat and go across the lake of uh, Sea of Galilee. And he is going to go off by himself up the mountainside a little bit and get some one-on-one time with God the Father. And as soon as the guys start going out, all of a sudden, strong winds pick up, and these winds start blowing waves against the boat. And in short order, these guys are in real trouble. So let's read it and start it at uh, Mark, uh, let's see, 6, 45 through 48. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and head across the lake to uh, Bethsaida while he sent the people home. After telling everyone goodbye, see, Jesus got some manners too, right? He went up uh, into the hills by himself to pray. And late that night, the disciples were in their boat in the middle of the lake, and Jesus was alone on the land. So is that a clear picture of kind of what's, what's happening? He saw that they were in serious trouble, rowing hard and struggling against the wind and the waves. And one of the things that kind of perplexed perplex me about this, but it's it's very, very true in life, is here the disciples are doing exactly what they should have been doing, 
right? They followed Jesus' instructions perfectly. And even though they're doing that, even though they're following the plan, all of a sudden there's a storm that comes into their life. And sometimes, you know, through no fault of our own, just storms are a reality. And I've heard someone say that we're either just going into, in the middle of, or coming out of a storm. And that's why it's so important to understand what storms are in our life and how to respond to these storms when they come. You know, a lot of people graduate from school. I don't know if you can remember when you were 18, 19, 20, you graduated from high school or maybe a little bit later, college. But you're in your late teens, early 20s, and we, you had all of these plans and you had this great vision of how life was going to go. You had family plans, you had financial plans, you had vocational plans, maybe you had a plan to go to school, all of these things, and then something happens, and and you wake up, and you're 30 years old, or you're 35 years old, and maybe I'm the only one, but I've seen some other people the same exact way, and you're just like, oh, man, I got blown off course, because something here is like, I am just nowhere close to where I thought I would be, right? I thought I would be on my second million dollars uh, that I'm, I'm saving or on my, my third Shelby Cobra, whatever it is that, that you like. But did anybody have, did that happen to anybody? Like you just got like 30 or 35, something just like, man, I thought I was going to be on top of it, semi-retired, something like that. But then the storms, they, the storms, they, they came. And we find ourselves blown off course, maybe to the left or to the right. Maybe our, our marriage doesn't look the way that we thought it, it would. Our, our finances were in debt, our vocational plans. Maybe morally we thought that we would really grow by now and that we would raise a, a, a standard of conduct in our life that would be beyond reproach. Most importantly is our spiritual walk. And in walking with Jesus, maybe you found out like, hey, I've, I've been blown to the left and to the right. And actually, maybe I've even been blown backwards. And it's in these times where we can give up on where we're headed. And all we can think about is getting back to shore. And at times, I think if we're all honest, we can feel like, God doesn't really notice the troubles that we're in. And this message this morning is especially for those that feel that God doesn't notice the trouble that you're in. We can feel that way, but I want to tell you that the Bible tells us something completely different. The psalmist wrote this in Psalm 56 verse 8 about God. He said, God, you keep track of all my sorrows You have collected all my tears in your bottle, and you have recorded each one in your book. He's collected every one. He's seen every one. He has has noticed And he is taken, but I want to tell you there's coming a time where, where pain and sorrow will cease, where every tear is dried. But here's a truth that, that Mark is, is telling us that we're going to see in this 
this account as these disciples are out on the wave and the storm comes. And this is the one that we have to make personal this morning. And that is, Jesus sees me in the storm. And this is my goal this morning. There's going to be three things that I want you to walk out of this place this morning saying, I believe these three things. Based on what I've seen in Scripture, not necessarily how I feel, but what I've seen in Scripture, I believe that Jesus sees me in the storm. Now, we may lose sight of Jesus, but Jesus never loses sight of us. Verse 48. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. And he intended to go past them, but when they saw him walking on the water, they cried out in terror, thinking he was a ghost. And they were all terrified when they saw him, and I was just looking at this and thinking, like, why would Jesus just walk by, and why would they be so terrified to see Jesus? So there's, and there's lots of debate on this. I want to tell you, if you spend some time and you kind of drill down a little bit on why Jesus would walk, intend on walking by them, well, there's all sorts of answers, and I don't know if you can land on any one thing. But here's what I know, is that they, these guys have, to put it in context, they've just come from the great miracle of the feeding of the 5,000, and I believe that should be fresh in their minds. And as they see Jesus coming and approaching, rather than saying and being freaked out and saying, oh, my word. It's a ghost. They should be thinking, no, that's based on what we just experienced. Just before we stepped on the boat and pushed out, they should know, like, hey, Jesus has probably sent somebody miraculously to help me. They should be walking. He has seen me in my need, and now he is coming into and walking in the storm with me. Maybe the best way to read this passage is is that Jesus intended to pass their way, and maybe he didn't intend to get into the boat uh, just then, but based on their reactions, we'll see differently how the story goes. And we have to be careful in this account. I don't know if if you guys are like this, but a lot of times when I read the Gospels and I look at the lives of the disciples, I think, golly, these guys are so blockheaded. Right Here they are experiencing miracles. They are sitting at the feet of Jesus, hearing these te- teachings, and over and over and over again, we're just not sure if they're actually getting it. Like in John 4, it, are you talking about spiritual food or stuff we're supposed to put in my, our stomach? Or like they just can't, after a while, they can't even figure out half the time what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is constantly telling them twice and three times, and especially in the book of Mark. It's, it's very true where Jesus is telling them once and he's telling them twice, trying them to get these truths in there, in their minds and in their hearts. And we can kind of look and say, golly, like we think we're like innocent third parties, right? Just looking down on in this account. But I want to tell you, the way that we're going to get the most out of the story today is if we see this account And we put ourselves in the place of the disciples because I want to tell you, that's who we are. 
we're people that have to be told once and twice and three times. I don't know about you, but I can see a pretty awesome miracle that I've been praying for for a long time. God answer it supernaturally and powerfully. And the very next conversation I go in, all of a sudden doubt is like biting at my heels. And, and sometimes it even like gets the, uh, the seat at the table. I'm thinking like, how can I do that? That is part of the human condition. And God made us human. But I want to tell you, he can handle our doubts. He can handle our questions. And what I love about Jesus in this whole thing is that not only do we know that Jesus sees me, but I also know that Jesus will come to me in the storm. And that is really what the gospel is about. And this is what makes Christianity different than every other single belief system and religion that is out there. He comes and he meets them and he meets us in our pain and in our fear, in our discouragement, in our distress. He comes right into the storm. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. You might say that Jesus is the incarnation of God, right? Well, what does that what does that mean? The incarnation of God. Well, who here likes uh, chili con carne? Yeah, so what does that meat mean? Chili with meat. What about carne asada? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a little bit more uh, reaction. There's nothing like fantastic and tender and well-seasoned carne asada. Right? But it basically means, carne means with meat. So Jesus is God with meat. Jesus is God in the flesh. He is incarnate. And Jesus came down. He left the very worship of angels and heavenly beings to walk with us and to enter in and enter into our storms here on the earth. He is not just out on the 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 side standing uh, back somewhere on the shoreline shouting at us what to do and how to get out of it. He comes personally into our storm. And that's the second thing that we have to believe. I want you to be able to say it as you leave, is that Jesus sees me in the storm and that Jesus comes to me in the storm. At times, we can feel abandoned in the storm, just like the disciples But again, we can feel a certain way, but we have to continually go back to the scriptures to set uh, truth before us. And John 14, 18 says this, No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. And we have to talk about abandonment for uh, a, a bit and how it can affect our lives, how we can have issues of abandonment. And for some of us, it, it comes uh, very honestly, we've maybe younger in life, we had people that, that, uh, that came in and came out of our lives. Maybe people just left without any explanation. For some, I know you've just experienced a carousel in your life growing up in your family of origin. And, and since then, it just seems like people are forever 
leaving us. But I want to tell you, we have to deal with this issue of abandonment in our life. We have to come to the thing that Jesus will come to me in my storm, in my loneliness. We have to deal with abandonment because I want to tell you, if we don't deal with abandonment issues in our lives, then we will experience every single storm as abandonment by Jesus. Right? If we went back a couple of chapters into Mark 4, Jesus is out there. They're on the same thing. The same, they're in the uh, boat. They're out on the same lake. Storm comes in. Jesus is there. The storm comes in. And what do the disciples say? Don't you care about us? They knew Jesus cared about them. But we have to be careful. You know, I've said that that God and Jesus is quite all right with us asking questions. And, and, and we can ask questions in our, in our disappointment or in our heartache or in our, our loneliness. But what we have to be careful of, and I believe here really, is that they have made a, veil, a veiled accusation against Jesus. Basically, they're saying, you don't care. Otherwise, this boat wouldn't be rocking. You wouldn't be asleep. It's not enough that we've seen hundreds and thousands of miracles that we've experienced you and walked with you for days and weeks and months at hand. If a storm comes, we feel abandoned. But we got to know storms are going to come. And sometimes it's maybe because we did something wrong and we're reaping the fruit of something we sown. But I want to guarantee some storms come just because we're uh, alive. Sometimes it's because we are doing exactly what Jesus told us to do. We have to be willing to push into these things even when we are obeying and there's resistance that comes to it to be able to stay on course and to stay on plan. And it's because we can believe these things. Jesus could have done a lot of things in response to their, their fear in this storm that was coming but I, and the trouble that they were having. But he chooses to walk on the water. And I believe that Jesus walked on the water to show them if we were Jewish and if we were first century uh, Jewish people, we would see this story and hear it and know exactly what, it, it, like what Mark was trying to convey. Jesus walking on the water was to show that he was the same one that was with God the Father as they created the heavens and the earth. Colossians 1.16 says this, For through him, through Jesus Christ, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on the earth. And of course, this includes that sea. Everything was created through him and for him. Everything was created through him and for him. But you know, sometimes storms can cloud our vision. They look out and they see 
Jesus as a ghost. But we have to be very, very uh, careful in these times. I want to tell you that a lot of times God has, has come and he has tried to rescue us in the storm. And we've just kind of said, uh, no thanks. You might be unemployed. And because God didn't bring you a job, but uh, it brings you a person, Jesus Christ, we say, no thanks. Or we might think we just want to do it on our own, right? No thanks, God. I got this storm here. Hold my beer. I'm going to, like, just deal with this thing, and I'm going to get it done But God is continually rescuing us and continually there in our storms. And sometimes he's trying to send us all sorts of help because it doesn't look like what we need. But I want to tell you, sometimes we don't need another plan, a new plan. We don't need a new system. We need a Savior. So storms can cloud our vision. But this is where we have to say that Jesus sees me in the storm. Can you guys say that? Say that if you believe it. Jesus sees me in the storm. If you believe it, Jesus comes to me in the storm. Jesus comes to me in the storm. And I want to tell you the third thing I'm really hoping that you'll, you'll walk out of here with is a personal belief that Jesus reveals himself to me in the storm. Uh, let's see. So Mark 6, verses 50 to 52 says, But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then he climbed into the boat, and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed, for they still didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. And the question this morning that we really need to answer, maybe later this week as you consider what we're talking about this morning, is what is, our God, what are you trying to reveal to me that my heart is too hard to take in? I want to tell you, if anybody's hearts can be hardened and, 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 and see miracles and then walk in doubt, it would have been the disciples. And I want to say that we really only learn what Jesus is like in the storms. For some back then when Jesus was going around on the earth, they, some of them thought that he was uh, maybe a, a mere man. But this account proves absolutely that he was much more than just a mere man. They might have thought that he was a good teacher, a great moral leader of sense. Maybe some of them thought that he was a prophet that could do a few miracles, but here that we see that as he comes out, that he and walks on the water, that he proves and reveals himself as God. God is described in Job chapter 9, verse 88, and it says that he alone stretches out the heavens and treads on the waves of the sea. And all through Mark, we see it. That he is, Mark is trying over and over and over again to show us that Jesus is God, that he is God the Son. Back in that time, you can look and say, well, who could heal a leper? 
Who could heal a leper? Only God could heal a leper. Who could he raise somebody from the dead? Who could raise somebody from the dead? Only God could raise somebody from the dead. When he spoke to the wind and the waves and they obeyed, who, who could speak to wind and waves and that they would obey? Only God. He forgave sins. So who can forgive sins? Only God can forgive sins. He healed on the Sabbath. So who has the right to heal on the Sabbath but the Lord of the Sabbath? Over and over again, Mark is trying to convince us, and I hope you're convinced convinced today that this is the, the difference between Jesus and maybe all the other prophets from the other religion, is that Jesus is the Son. He is God the Son. So Jesus challenged them. He said, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Be of courage. So he issues this challenge. But what I love about Jesus, at the same time, he gives them the information that they need so that they can walk in that that courage. And he does it this way. When Jesus said, if we could look back up and put verse 50 uh, back up there. It says, but Jesus spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Now, we translate this, I am here, as three words. But I want to tell you, it is actually in the Greek only two words. And those two words are, I am. Ego imi means I am. And why is that important? It's because if we know, we need to read our Bibles and looked at it. That I am is the very name that God gave himself when, he, when Moses was asking him, who should I say, say is, is sending me on this, on this mission? And God tell him, tell him I am. The one who exists. Not the one who is trying to exist. Not the one who hopes he exists or, or did exist or would exist at some point in time. He's just saying, I am. I exist forever. I rely on no one for my existence. God is the only uncreated being there is. So Jesus climbs into the boat and the storm stops. And how does it end? How does this this account end? They end up storms die down they go to the other side and what's their experience what do they see on the other side verse 53 says after they had crossed the lake they landed in Gennesaret they brought the boat to shore and climbed out the people recognized Jesus at once and they ran throughout the whole area carrying sick people on mats to wherever they heard he was Wherever he went, in villages, cities, or the countryside, they brought the sick out to the marketplaces. They begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. (laughs) You see what the story is. Now, in the past, the life groups, praying for a lot of people, but typically it would have been at the home groups, the life groups, right, where they kind of like the four guys took the paralyzed man and like ripped open their friend's roof and kind of like 
shoved him down. He was teaching at, at synagogues. But here now we can see that, that Jesus is front and center of an entire culture. An entire region that exists, it is all about Jesus. He is in the fabric of it all. Not just the religious parts of people's lives, but it has filled and spilled into the aspects of all things. The social places, right? The watering holes, I don't know, the coffee shops, the places of commerce. Can you think of it? I had this picture of Burkdale would be like the perfect example of what this situation is, right? There's all the shops that are lined up. There's all the coffee stores and restaurants, movie theaters, parking lots. And can you imagine that this whole thing would just be filled? All of the the doggy areas, uh, well, Jesus would heal those cleanse those, but then there'd be like all sorts of people would just be driving there, parking out. The parking, they'd have to have cops and directing traffic out there because there'd be so many cars, so many people crammed trying to get into the mall there at, at Burkdale. And they would be bringing people that were in a storm. And they would be telling people that Jesus sees you in your storm. They would be telling people that Jesus will come to you in your storm. And they'll say, even in this event, even in this storm that you're going through, and as we bring you to Jesus, that Jesus will reveal himself. He reveals himself best in our storm. But it's, it's going to take a group of people that, that believe that. Otherwise, we're going to have to have outreaches. Notice the church isn't going out after people. What's happening? They were just praying for people. They were trying to accommodate of the throngs and the throngs and all of the people that were coming in. I love that. And that's one of our missions at, here at, at New Song is, is we don't want, we want to bring people to Jesus, but we want to take Jesus to people. Pray this right in their storm exactly where they were at. We want to pray this morning. Now, I hope in, 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 in a way that whether you're just believing it on faith, whether you're just believing it because you've, Learn to trust me in some way in what we teach here at New Song, or because you've seen it in scriptures right now, but it's our, our prayer that faith will fall on this place this morning.